of Kingdom Builder question. Have you ever asked yourself if God wants you to prosper? You're in business and you think to yourself, is it okay to make money? Or if you're making money, is that like a bad thing? Am I just supposed to give it all away and everything? Well, on this conversation today, I'm going to open up a discussion and dive into this can of worms and talk about is success, wealth, and prosperity biblical? So if that sounds like something interesting to you, if you're not yet subscribed to my YouTube, highly suggest to do that. And if you find this valuable, share this with someone as well. And I am open for any of your comments in the discussion. My goal is not to be right today. My goal is for the word to be right, because that's what matters the most. So I hope that makes sense to you. So if you don't know me, um, growing up, I was not a person of faith. Um, my parents, they moved over here from China when they had $200 in their pocket. And uh, coming from that mind state, we all want to be successful. We all want to make money. We all want to be able to have a good life. I had to deal with poverty mindset. In fact, if you've ever had to deal with a poverty mentality before, put a one in the comments below. So I had to go through that. And what happened is I got introduced to entrepreneurship when I was 19. And I had to overcome those poverty mindsets and fortunately was able to start making some money, um, was eventually able to have the dream, right? Have the cool house and the options and the cars and have, have, have some comfort in my life. But what happened is I got introduced to faith through business, which is why I'm such a big advocate of talking about faith and business together. And to be real honest, um, while I was grateful for salvation, I was super confused again because I'm the type of person that's super analytical. I'm the type of person that needs to know everything about everything. I'm the type of person that needs to understand things. Like I can't just blindly believe so I started asking a lot of deep questions to the Bible and asked like, man, is prosperity okay? I'd hear things like prosperity gospel. And it was almost to the point that I would just shun away even the thought of making money. I started to think, am I just supposed to be a pastor and just not be in business? I started to think like, should I just not make any money at all? Like, how does this all work? And I don't know if you ever struggle with that or not. And especially being in business, if you're a Christian in business and we struggle with this question of if success, wealth and prosperity is biblical, does God want to prosper us? And what does that mean? If that's a question that is not answered, then we're not going to be good in business because the success of a business means that there is some profit there. So it's kind of this catch 22 and everything. So my goal today is to be able to open up this can of worms and dive deep into scripture. And disclaimer, I am not a theologian, so I don't claim to be right. But my challenge to you, my encouragement to you is this, is to have an open mind to this as well too, but be an open-minded skeptic. And if there's anything that you might disagree with, then let's go to the word itself and what it says. I'm going to go super scripture heavy. So here we go. And ask the Holy Spirit, by the way, to lead you into all truth of things. So the question, is success, wealth, and prosperity biblical? Well, we have to first define what these words mean. 
right? Success, wealth, and prosperity. Like, what does it actually mean? The best way to do this is look at the actual Bible and go to the root words of them. Go to the Hebrew, like literally go to them. So I'm going to define these three words. Have you ever looked these up? So the word for success, one of them, I'm going to share my screen on this side, is this word, sakal. And if I'm reading through this, it means a couple of things. It means to be prudent, to circumspect, uh, be circumspect, wisely understand, to prosper. So there is that word prosper in there, right? So if you keep on looking through that, sakal is the word for success. How about another word, shalak? I'm sharing my screen on this. This is the word for prosper. Shalak, and if you know Hebrew, by the way, and I'm butchering the pronunciation, I apologize. But shalak is the word to rush, to advance, to prosper, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. Some people say, well, prosperity doesn't have anything to do with money. Well, it is one of the definitions of shalak. It is to be profitable. So money is a part of this. And the third word is this, and I believe this is success, is gadol, right? Gadol. Gadol, a couple of the definitions of here in the Hebrew to grow, become great or important, to be promote, to magnify, to do great things, to magnify oneself. So these are three words for things like prosperity and wealth and success. So they're actually in the Hebrew. They're actually in the Bible itself. Now, the question is this, though, is what does the Bible say about these things? Well, one of the best places to go to is if you take a look, go to the Old Testament and let's take a look at a couple of these passages, right? So it is said in Genesis chapter 26. Here's one example. This is Isaac, the son of Jacob, the promised child, right? And get this, Genesis 26, chapter, uh, verse 12. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible version. This is, and I like that version because it's pretty literal. Like it's from the Hebrew to the text itself. Now get this. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundred times as much. And the Lord blessed him. So it's evident that Isaac did something and it says the Lord blessed him. Blessing comes from the Lord. And in Genesis 26, 13, here's the phrase. If anyone says, is it, it does, is riches okay? Is making money, is wealth okay? Well, this is interesting. It says in Genesis 26, 13, and the man became rich. There's the first mention. And continued to grow richer. The second mention. This is the word sakal that we saw earlier. Until he became very wealthy. So let me read that again. Not once, not twice, not three times. And the man, Isaac, became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. So it seems like God's okay with rich being rich. Because Isaac is a good story right here. So there's one example. What, how about prosperity? Does God want us to prosper? Well, this is Joshua verse one, ver, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. This is God giving Joshua, who just took the torch of leadership from Moses that led the Israelites out of enslavement. And this is God giving Joshua a directive. 
So is prosperity okay? Well, this, this is the promise. God is saying to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be a careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. That word prosperous is shalak. And then success is also one of the previous words that we had. So it seems like God says a lot about a lot of things about prospering. If you're following me so far, put it to you in the comments below. So we define prosperity. We define success. We define wealth. And we also notice that in the Bible, in the Hebrew, it's, it's talked about. Right? Like prosperity is talked about. And it's not talked about in a negative way. Right now, we also have to ask then, well, well, you might be asking, well, then what's what's who created this, right? Where where did this thing come? Because I don't know about you, but I would hear things like money is the root of all evil, and it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven, and you know, these types of things. And like these things, especially if you're a Christian in business, if they're lodged into your subconscious, then it's gonna be hard to overcome those. The best way to reprogram your mind, by the way is not self-affirmation, it's the word. Because his word will not return void. His word is truth, right? So just know what the Bible says. Know what he says about things. And that if that's the truth, boom, that's the truth right there. So second question is who created wealth? Who created prosperity? Like, was this like a Satan-inspired idea? Did the devil come and be like, ah, I'm just going to like make all this money and like, you know, tempt everybody? But where did it come from? Well, the first mention of wealth and prosperity comes in the book of Genesis chapter two. And this is when God is actually creating the entire universe. Okay. Genesis 2.10. This is talking about the Garden of Eden. And it says, now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there, divide and became four rivers. Get this. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Gold. Is gold prosperous? To this day, gold is still that standard of, that's money right there. Right? The American dollar is struggling because we unpegged ourselves from the gold standard. And that's why there's hyperinflation going on, right? But anywho, and it says, and it doesn't just say there was gold, but it also says what God thinks about the gold. Right. Genesis 2.12 says the gold of that land is good. So God says the gold is good. He does not say the gold is bad. He does not say gold is evil. I don't know if you guys ever struggle with this, but I grew up thinking that money was evil. Just money is evil. But money is just money. It's just a thing. But in fact, though, God said there that gold is good. Interesting. So that was the original intent of wealth and money. If you're still following me, put a three in the comments below. So then the question is this then. Why is it that prosperity is considered evil? Like, why is there such a big issue with this? Why is it so tough? And it's because of a couple of scriptures 
that are not exactly understood in its full context. I had to like really dive into these things to unmess up my own mind when it came to money. What's the goal, Kingdom Builder? If you are in business, our goal is to become successful, which means obedience to God, so that your success can elevate and glorify Him. But you cannot be successful unless we untweak these things, these wealth blocks that happen right there, right? If we go around thinking that wealth and prosperity is horrible, it's ungodly, you're not going to get it. God's not going to give you something that you don't respect. Okay. So here's a couple passages. Matthew 19 talks about the rich young ruler, right? Have you guys heard of this? Put a five in the comments if you've heard of the rich young ruler, right? So Matthew 19, 16 says this. And someone came to him and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do so I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments, All right? So this is the rich young ruler going up to Jesus asking. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Basically goes through the 10 commandments, right? And um, the young man said to him, all of these I have kept. What am I still lacking? And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said, if you want to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And here's what it says. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So we see this and the original, the initial interpretation is, well, Jesus is saying, if you're rich, you can't enter heaven because a camel going through an eye of a needle is impossible. So that must mean that having money, being rich is the exact opposite of going to heaven. But is that actually what it's saying? What is this actually saying? We have to then, it's always important as you're studying scripture and don't take it from me. Don't take it from a pastor. Don't take it from a book. Take it from God himself. Read the Bible for ourselves, and then be able to ask questions. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit with you that is able to guide you into all truth, right? And get comparisons and make sure that you're right in everything. Remember, our goal is not to be right with our own opinion. I want the Bible to be right. We have to read the rest of this. So then this is interesting. The disciples have a reaction to this. Now, the disciples gave everything, but they said this. They said, when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? Remember, these were the disciples that gave up everything. So were they rich? I don't know. So they said they were astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible but with God, all things are possible. What is Jesus talking about here? He's saying that salvation is impossible without God. Here's a rich young ruler, and he tried to do everything right. Now, one of the things that he got off was it's evident because he wasn't willing to give up his wealth. If that were asked of you, here's one note to take. When is prosperity an idol versus when is it okay? Question to us right now. If God were to ask you, 
sell everything and give it to my kingdom purposes. Would you be willing to just drop it all just for him if that were the ask? Or would it be like, nah, I need to keep this. Would we be scared to do that? I'll be honest. That's a hard question to ask me. Like I, I, I know I want to say yes, but if I'm to be real honest with you, to give it all up, I have to I have to think about that a little bit, right? I know what the right thing is to do, but if he asked you, would you do it? Would you do it, right? I'm curious. If, if God actually came up to you and asked you to do that, would you? Put a yes in the comments if you would, right? You're, you're better than I am. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that you need to do that to get into heaven. This is one example. And what the example is, is one person, the rich young ruler, that's going through, he's trying to do his best with his own works to keep the commandments, to be perfect so that he could go to heaven. But there's one area, which is this lack of willingness to give up his money. And Jesus says it's impossible that people can get into heaven. And it absolutely is. Now, for you, it might not be money. For you, it might be uh, unrepented sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. The moment that we came onto this planet, we adopted the original sin from Adam and Eve. Basically, you can't get into heaven. I can't get into heaven by myself. That's why God sent his own one and only son, Jesus, to die for us, to pay for our sins, so that whoever confessed with their mouth and believes in their heart that he is Lord and he is risen, they are saved. What Jesus says there is not that money is evil. What he's saying there is that salvation is impossible except through what Jesus did. I wonder if that makes sense or not. Okay, so there's one passage, though, that is used to ding on prosperity. And it's important. Now, I'm not saying prosperity is number one, right? That's not it at all, at all. But let's take a look at another portion here. First Timothy chapter six. This is now Paul talking to Timothy, his protege. And here's an interesting, it's about priority is the point, okay? Um, and um, reading through this passage, in constant friction between people depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Godliness is a means of gain. What is this saying? Here's the wrong way to look at prosperity. And this is what the prosperity gospel means, which is not biblical. Okay? It says they use godliness as a means to gain. Translation. I'm going to believe in God because if I believe in God, he's going to bless me and everything that I do. If I want to make a lot of money, which is my number one desire, for example, then if I use God, I can get money. Any single time that God is simply a means of getting something else. If God is a means of getting money and your end goal is only money, but not him, that is wrong. Does this make sense? Put a one in the comments if you get this, right? The priority is off. The priority is off. So he's saying that if you use godliness only to get gain, then that's not good. However, if you look through the second part of this passage, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we can't take anything out of it. And it says here, 
scroll down. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. And here's the other phrase that jacks people up. First Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. For the love of money. It's not saying money is the root of all evil. It's saying the love, the priority. If we don't love God with our heart, soul, and mind, and we love money above that, that's wrong. That's unbiblical. So this is saying for the love of money is not the root. Some people say money is the root of all. No, no, it's money is a root. There's many roots of evil, lust, and um lack of contentment and pride and ego. like there's a lot of stuff right we're all types of messed up but it says for the love of money is a root not the root a root of all sorts of evil so what's paul saying here money's fine in fact just a couple verses above you saw that it's okay to have gain as long as you're content are we content with a lot or are we content with a little right is our contentment, it has to be detached from our, our external circumstances. Our contentment is in our identity in who Christ is. But the moment that we start, stop, the moment that we start putting money, prosperity, possessions, wealth above anything of success, these are okay things. But when it's out of priority and it's above God, then that's when it's bad. Exactly. That's when it becomes an idol. And to further bolster this, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, another famous thing, this is Jesus now. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know, that, that was Paul. This is Jesus, right? Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he would be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, or God and mammon. We have to choose one or the other. So, prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is when you use God to get prosperity. But God is not against prosperity. It says, and we just went through, there's many verses that promise prosperity, but in line with the right priority. Question, why wouldn't God want to prosper you if you are in his kingdom and love him the most? Let's further the question. Why would God want to prosper people that are not in the kingdom more than those that are in the kingdom. Would that make any logical sense? If God created wealth to be a good thing, he placed Adam and Eve in the garden and they were promised to be able to indulge and be a part of everything except for the one tree. Why would it make any sense that God would purposely not want his children to have prosperity. Now, he would only not want them to have prosperity, some of your parents, if the kids are spoiled. If the kids look at the parents as a vending machine. I have been there as a kid myself. But if the kid is obedient, if the child is responsible, if they're stewarding what they've been given well, wouldn't the parent want to entrust them with more? It says that further down. It says that 
to whom much is given, much is required. It says that if you're trusted with a little, you'll be given much. So then the next question is this, is what's the purpose then of prosperity? Is the goal to just eat, be merry and be joyful and just, you know, YOLO? You only live once? Is that the goal of prosperity? No. Biblical prosperity is a means to something. And what does that mean? Well, here's a couple of interesting passages. Put a five in the comments here with me. We're doing a deep dive today. I hope this is okay. I, I, this is how I think, this is what I needed to break out of these molds. And I hope there's some freedom going on here. I hope this is helping people click, right? Okay, Luke 16, nine, this is Jesus, right? He's giving a parable and he says, and this is what, this is uh, the passage of the um, unrighteous steward, the unrighteous servant. And this is what Jesus says. Here's one purpose of prosperity. And I say to you, Jesus, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it is all gone, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. So obviously money here, it's not going to transmute into the other side. So what's one purpose of prosperity? Use it as a means to connect. If you have more money, you can boost up your influence and get into other circles, for example. Right? If you have more wealth, you have options. If you want to, let's put it this way, right? Who here would love it if we could influence political leaders more in a godly way? Put a one in the comments. If you would love, I don't know which, I don't, I don't, I don't have a way I sway in politics. I just go with what the kingdom of God says, right? That's my politics. But instead of complaining about what these quote unquote rich aristocrats that are controlling everyone's doing, or these rich business tycoons that are not taking care of the world or whatever, instead of complaining about it, why don't we as kingdom builders take that wealth build influence and connection so that we can be empowered into places of influence to actually do something about it, right? Like, I don't know if that makes sense to you, common amen, if that sounds like a better plan, right? So like, so one is to make friends with those that are not in the kingdom as well too. Hey, I got brought to faith because I was inspired by my business mentors that were living a prosperous life. That's what I was drawn to. That's what the world wants. And then I realized the true prosperity, which is the kingdom of God, right? Like, and now I, I can lose everything and I'm just as happy as if I have more as well too. But hey, it's nice to have more as well too. Nothing wrong about that. Another part, another purpose of prosperity, Abraham, it said, this is God promising Abraham, Genesis 12, 12. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. So blessings, okay. Who here wants to be blessed by God? I do. And make your name great. Influence is okay. That's all right. I was with you. And you shall be a blessing. Why? Because you'll be blessed to be a blessing for other people. Blessed to be a blessing. I'm sure you've heard of that before. So one kingdom purpose of prosperity and your blessing is not for you just to hog it all yourself. It's for you to pay it forward to other people. 
It's for you to help out your family. It's for you to help out that friend in need. It's for you to be able to help out those around you to do good. Money is simply a tool, right? Money simply makes you more of who you are. If you're a godly person, you're going to do godly things with it, right? I mean, if you want great buildings and you want great influences, you want great programs in the world, that got to take money. These things don't come for free on this side of eternity, right? So there's another purpose there. Now, what's another purpose of prosperity? So do I have to just give it all away? That was one of my questions. Well, it also says, Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.11. Paul says, and to make it your ambition, to make it a goal, to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business. Have you guys ever heard that saying, mind your own business? That's where it comes from. It's actually in this verse. Attend to your own business. Interesting. He's entrepreneurial. And work with your hands just as we instructed you. Why? Why do we have to work? Well, future Bible study, I'm going to go through um, why is, is work biblical? Is business biblical? But I'll save that for later. But it says right here, 1 Thessalonians 4.12. Why work? So that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Oh, man. Straight up. The connotation for the Christian is that we're broke, impoverished, and we're in need. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is promised to have Lamborghinis and Bentleys and live in mansions and all that. I'm not saying that if you're poor that you are not being biblical as well too. People have different calls in life. But what I am saying is this, is that for most of us, we all need to provide. Paul was a tent maker and he provided while he was doing his ministry. Jesus was a carpenter. He did business to make money. Even Jesus had to make money. He didn't have to, but he did. So it's important for us to steward our household. Why? Of course, take care of your family. But also it says to behave properly towards outsiders. Um, I remember when I was super broke, college student, I remember, sorry to admit this, but it's true. One of the reasons why I loved hanging out with my mentors is whenever we would eat, they would cover the bill. (laughs) I wanted a free lunch, right? So I, I had this like groveling mentality. I'm like, please, please, please. I'm like almost begging people to like take care of me, right? And who here knows that when you're in that type of a state, it's hard to influence the other person in a positive way, right? It says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. So let's stop being borrowers. Why don't we become the lenders? Who here would want to be the lender? You'd want to be the person in abundance so that you could have that influence. You could have that control, right? Put a me in the comments below. There's nothing wrong about that. But if we're in the opposite way, what happens is this, is then we are not behaving properly towards outsiders. Hey, if you have a heart for the kingdom, if we want to win more people into the kingdom of God, if we have less money or more money, what do you think would influence the world more? Right? Can you imagine people like, well, all those Christians are just broken, impoverished all the time. That's sexy. Let me join. Now, one thing I'm not saying that you have to be prosperous to be influential. But what I am saying is 
the world judges the world that's how they speak hey if you have more stuff if you look good you have the goods and all that that's what they communicate with so here it's saying take care of doing your business we should be the best in business we should be the most diligent we should showcase a different type of standard and if we follow god and god prospers and if we showcase that we live in a different way don't you think people are like man what's going on with you you're different things everything you touch is turns to gold it seems like there's prosperity with ease why is this going on we're like i serve a great god i'm following his ways i hope that makes sense all right so purposes for prosperity and don't be in a need and then one other pro prosperity purpose there's many but here's another one this is solomon the richest person in the world but very very um uh, very wise he says this a good person who wants to be good i want to be good i want to i want i want to i want to get the gold star by god right when we're when we see him and they're like hey how'd you do right it says a good person leaves an inheritance to his not just children not to themselves not to his children but to his grandchildren how many of us are barely struggling and scraping by paycheck to paycheck. The average person cannot go a month without a paycheck, let alone an inheritance to their children. See, they up the bar to your children's children. So one principle, one goal, one purpose of prosperity is that you pass it on into your generations. And that's who's this, the, that, that you are deemed a good person. So are you thinking ahead? Are you thinking legacy? Are you thinking, how do I help the next generation be able to be better off than myself? We got to think higher standards there. What's that going to help? That's going to help your next generation to be able to start with a stronger foot. And as long as you teach them how to steward it well, of course, then it's all going to be good. And get this, this verse as well too. And the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. The kingdom purpose for prosperity is that it is with kingdom people. We go from Genesis at the creation of prosperity and wealth in gold. God deemed it to be good. But then it got lost because we messed up. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Eve. And then we're all suffering from that, right? But Solomon says that the wealth of the wicked, the sinful, sinful simply means those that have not yet accepted Jesus into your life, but the wealth that they're acquiring. Have you guys ever asked the question, why does it seem like non-Christians are making all the money out there? Next time, think this way. They're making the money because it is being laid up for the righteous. Righteous means right standing with God. Righteous means you've accepted Jesus and his, his, uh, his payment on the cross. So not because of what we did, but because of the unmerited grace and favor that God gave to us. That when God sees you, he sees you as a son. He sees you as a daughter. He gives you an inheritance. He gives you a royalty. He gives you a priesthood. He gives you all these different things. Just read through the Bible. It's loaded with all types of promises. And one of those is it says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Are you a righteous person? Put it to you in the comments if you would consider yourself righteous. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus did. All right. So, like, if that's the case, do we know these promises? You see, we can know all these promises and understandings. We can want to do well. But if it's subconsciously, uh, we can be free, right? Salvation, you're, you're granted eternity. 
But growth and prosperity on this side of eternity is not promised unless we apply the principles, right? You're not just guaranteed a ride. John Maxwell says everything worthwhile is uphill. So if that's the case, well, we need to make sure that we can break out of our own paradigms that have been entrapping us because of what the world said to us, society said to us, unfortunately, some churches say to us as well too. Let's let the word be the thing that determines how we think. Let's actually ask God what he says about all these different types of things. And he says it. You don't have to guess. Just read through the Bible. So in conclusion, what are the things that we covered? The question that we're asking today is, does God want us to prosper? Is success, wealth, and prosperity biblical? It seems like it is in proper alignment. As long as Matthew 6, 33, as long as we put him and his righteousness first, it, can, it has to always be first. God is a jealous God, as he says. Money or anything else above God is an idol, but put God first. But if we put him first, I'm going to assume that you want to put him first. That's who a kingdom builder is. Someone that wants to build the kingdoms that he's given you and entrusted you so you can glorify his kingdom. Let's assume that's there. Then also understand that there's promises. If we obey, there's promises of blessing and prosperity that God wants to be on your side. God is not this like, you know, he's not trying to withhold on us. So instead of being so scared about prosperity, why don't we flip the script? Why don't we dive into this and expect more? And I had to start to reprogram myself. And I hope this benefits you. Because as I started to understand these scriptures and I started to uncover the fear that I had about money and wealth and all this. And I'd always say to myself, but if I get too much of it, then what if I go wrong? Why don't we think the other way? Why don't we expect different? Why don't we expect, God, I know that you can entrust me with a lot because I'm willing, I'm obedient, and you're going to help me with this. Instead of being scared of success, why not accept the success? Instead of being fearful about what if it goes wrong, why not expect that God, who knows all about everything, that helps you through everything, will also help you through that? It says that every single temptation we can escape because we have the Holy Spirit's help to do that. So if you're scared about the temptation of too much money or they're scared of the temptation of prosperity, scared of the temptation of success, try not to do it by yourself. Get God's help in that and do good with what it is that God wants to give to his people. As a kingdom builder, there is a big shift of wealth going on right now. As a kingdom builder, entrepreneurs, it was prophesied by Billy Graham that the greatest ministry in the world would happen in the marketplace. But I believe it's only going to happen if we as a people, as a kingdom people that truly love God, start to uncap and uncover and really retweak some of these philosophies and these misunderstandings that I know I struggle with, how about you? And step into the promises and in alignment with the principles that God set down so that we can steward success and wealth and prosperity in a biblical way and ultimately uplift his kingdom. Why don't we be the best example in this world of what life actually looks like in alignment with God? So I wonder what you think about this. 
We went deep into scripture. Remember, my goal is not to be right. So I'd love to hear in the comments below what you thought about this. And if it encouraged you, if it was helpful, subscribe to this. Please share this as well too. And stay tuned because I plan to document and answer other questions like, is sales biblical? Is profiting biblical? Is bit like these types of questions. If you have other questions, by the way, that deal with Christian entrepreneurship, let me know. I'd love to put out future content like that as well. All right. Other than that, let me end with a prayer and we'll be good to go for today. But dear father, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to unpack your truth. And you say that teachers have to be more mindful because we're held under a higher authority. And today I just pray that everything that I said is what you wanted to say. Everything that I said is what your word says. And I pray that for anyone that's listening right now, that anything that's been holding them back in lines of prosperity and success and wealth from wherever that it came from, that we take those and we bring that to the cross today and we break those chains in Jesus' name and we allow the flourishing and the flow of your promises into their life. Prosper and bless your people, Lord, but also give them the responsibility, give them the character, give them the mindfulness, give them the relationship with you so that we may properly steward what it is that you designed for us to be able to inherit. We thank you that you're a good father. We thank you that you're one that promises us to be able to help us and prosper us and, and help us in the things that we've been called to do. Give them divine visions, give them divine revelation, help them with those next steps. And we thank you for this time and also cast off anything of the enemy that tries to remove this revelation the, the enemy that tries to steal away your truth, Lord, and protect them with your shield, protect them with your pinions, with your wings, protect them with the Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. Have an awesome one.